Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, I am joined by Slashers Samantha and the Polar Bear, but no panda, so <laughs> he kind of sucks this week. So. Loser. No cool soundtrack. No. <laughs> Slasher Sarah, I like that. Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> you said Sarah. I, this is a disaster already. <laughs> <laughs> We're failing already. You can call me whatever you want, polar bear. Just don't eat me. <laughs> Did I see Sarah? I don't know. Sure I think you Sarah. stumbled through that first piece of it, and well, then it just, oh, you know. I wasn't sure if we were, were going with go Slashers back. with Samantha or Slasher Samantha. If you, I mean, I definitely think we should you, just you do Slasher Samantha moving forward because it's, like, smoother. Okay. Samantha. Slasher Samantha. <laughs> okay. You might be right. <laughs> I think it's just going downhill fast. <laughs> fast. <laughs> well, it's probably related to the topic that we're talking today. So, in our in our in our detour, this is still a detour, regardless of whether or not the panda's with us. Tonight, we're actually discussing the topic of cursed jewels, gems, jewelry, because there is something to cursed items. In the past, we've covered cursed paintings, which I think is a real thing. And I think we've uh, also covered cursed particular items, but don't quote me on that one. Like the Dybbuk box? We've not done that one. That one's insane, though. Like, that is a very cursed piece of something. I think it's in, what's his name? Baggins. It's in his museum. I'm like, I don't want to go there if it's going to curse me. Right. You know, I actually heard without that piece of uh, article it's not true. So I've heard both. I've heard that it's cursed, but I also heard that it, that's totally fake. The curse is fake. Well, well, you know, we're going to talk about that with my piece of jewelry, too, today. So, right? I, I feel like that's all of them because I have two stories on, well, I mean, it's the same story, but it's like two different points of view, a skeptical point of view on it and a paranormal point of view on it. So then do you think items can be cursed? Yeah, sure. Have you ever had that experience? No. Tell well, you know, us, things are like us. just bad juju. I mean, it just depends on what your own spiritual like thing is. So if you believe that spirits can stay on this plane and they can haunt you, then yeah, of course you can believe that they would attach to something that was their favorite thing. Their jam. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, it's kind of, I think it just depends on that. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced anything cursed or haunted, but I mean, I do believe there's very negative energy that can be left after someone goes away. So, I mean, I don't know. Okay, so polar bear, we'll have you kick this off. What did you? Uh, what are you bringing to the table today? Uh, my cursed jewel is. Uh, it's actually just called the cursed amethyst, but another name for it is uh, Delhi purple sapphire. Mm, I saw this one. It's not a real sapphire. It's a big uh, amethyst. So it is a silver jewel made of three components. 
So at the top, silver ring that holds two scarab beads in like a silver ring type thing. So it's, so it's I don't know. I it's can't. a ring. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a, I don't know. Nobody can see my hands. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's air designing uh, I'm for air us here. <laughs> Pictionary. Either way, a uh, silver ring that holds uh, scarab beads at the top. Middle part, which is the, I mean, centerpiece of this jewel, large silver ring with big purple amethyst in the middle of it. And the band has uh, runes or symbols carved into it. And then the last component of it looks like silver medallion with a T symbol in the middle. And it currently resides in the Natural History Museum in London. So I wasn't able to find exactly where the relic was created or originated, but the story of the Amasis begins in India in 1857 during Indian Revolution against the British. So the amulet was stolen from the temple of Indra, which is a Hindu god of rain. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it's like, not just rain, but the sky and the clouds and the weather in Kanpur in India. After it was stolen, Colonel W. Ferris brought the jewel to England. So it was a British thief then? Yes. So it doesn't say whether Colonel Ferris was the one who stole it, or maybe it was his party or his his group, or it could have been just somebody else that stole it, raided it from the Indian te- temple, but Ferris was the one that brought it back to England. So a lot of these jewels that I did, I noticed... They all had the same origin story. They were potentially stolen from an idol of some kind, and a lot of them came from India. Right, that were, were used to as like a, not necessarily a, a sacrifice, but more like a, a a gift to the gods. Right, right. The Indian gods. And then it seemed like the French and the British, from just reading through a lot of this stuff, because I came along across yours when I was doing my research as well, that... India was a hot spot, and everyone knew that they could go get these big-ass diamonds and gems from there and then bring them back and use them, essentially, as it, the stories go on, as their crown jewels. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, the, the reason this thing is cursed is it. every story I've read, it says that misfortune and, like, bad health befalls on the owner. Rarely does it specify what kind of misfortune. Okay, so, so yeah. it's a little obscure as to... Right. The destruction it leaves behind. Yeah, some of them were specific, and I I noted them in my um, story here. So, Colonel Ferris lost all of his belongings through uh, a series of unfortunate events. Then his health began to decline until he died, which, I mean... That happens. Could could be paranormal, (laughs) but, I mean, that's also what happens before you die, so... Uh, his son inherited the jewel, and the same misfortunes began to happen to him. So Ferris Jr. ended up giving the stone to his friend. And after some time, his friend committed suicide. And whether he wanted it to be ironic or spiteful, he left the cursed amethyst to Ferris Jr. in his will. So he gave it back. Yeah. I mean, what a dick. Like, here, you're my friend. Please take this cursed amethyst ring because, you know, I love you like that. <laughs> the one advantage to having no friends, they're not going to give me any cursed jewelry. <laughs> and that's the thing that's kind of consistent with these stories is they they just keep giving it away. So I don't know. Maybe they don't 
they don't know that that's what causing their misfortunes. And they're like, oh, this is a really nice piece of jewelry. Here you go. So people weren't following the trail then. Right. But after, you, you know, you read all of this, you're kind of like, well, one of these things is in the center of everything. So <laughs> what's the common denominator? Yeah, the here? common de- denominator. Mm-hmm. So in approximately 1890, Edward Heron Allen acquired the stone. Allen was a scholar who written several books and translated Arabic uh, literature. After acquiring the stone, misfortunes befell on him as well. Allen gave the lovely jewel to his friend who was a singer. Another friend? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, These I guys mean, are really I'm good friends. now. So this lady was a singer, and I feel like maybe he gave it to her for a show or... Something like you want that, it you know? to like not be in the friend zone. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Take my jewel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this big old uh, <laughs> sapphire that's not a sapphire. Um, however, while in the possession of the amethyst, she lost her voice and was never able to sing again. So career oh. over. Um, like horrific. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he, then he was like, you know what? Stay in the friend zone because the jewel ended up in Alan's possession again. And then he started to piece things together, like, oh, I think it's this here jewel that um, that's causing all this stuff. So he really wanted to get rid of it, and at some point, he threw it into uh, the Regent's Canal, and he was glad to be rid of it. However, several months later, jewel was returned to him by a dealer who found it when the canal was dredged. Dredged, yeah. Dredged. So, I My mean, bad. seriously, you can't even throw the fucking thing away, mm-hmm. and somehow the gods are like, here you go, thought it's, you was. It's kind of like Jumanji, where they just, yes! just kind of pops out of the water. And Isn't that like Chucky or something, too, where <laughs> he just like keeps showing back up? Mm-hmm. It's like, here I am. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what dredged means, it's when they take a boat, and they scrape the bottom of the lake, or in this case, a canal, to find stuff. And and they found the jewel. Found the I jewel. mean, yeah, normally we do this for bodies, but I mean, I guess the <laughs> cursed jewel is a pleasant <laughs> surprise. So, yeah. And then Alan, since he was such a scholar, and um, he actually ended up writing a book about it. And uh, that was part of the skepticism is people think that... A lot of this stuff was made up to promote his book rather than the book was based on the events of his life. And I can see that. But I have to say, if I mean, I'm trying to imagine Alan's face when the, the dealer rolls up his house and be like, I found this for you. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Remember this? <laughs> yeah. I thought I got rid of it. <laughs> I mean, I would probably want to write a book. If that happened to me, like this, the girlfriend dies, he throws it away, it comes back. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. So then, I mean, at this point, Alan was filled with uh, superstition and fear. But, you know, he he was, you know, he was a scholar. He was a book guy. So I don't see him being uh, very into this paranormal stuff without any good reason. So he, what he did was actually pretty strange. He locked the relic in seven boxes under lock and key, and he placed them in the vault of the bank with a warning letter 
and uh, specific instructions uh, not to open it until some years after his death. I've read that it was three years after his death. I've read that it was 33 years after his death. Maybe it's a grammatical error, but a couple years after his death. Okay, I have two follow-up questions. What kind, like, did it say what material the boxes were made out of? No. Doesn't it, it isn't like there something? Within a box within a box. Well, it said, like, if you put it in an iron box or something, that keeps all the bad juju in. Potentially. Right? Iron tends to be the anti-magical mm-hmm. element. Like the neutral. neutral. And then he placed it in the bank vault, you know, and then he had it locked away. And then after he he died, his daughter was the one who withdrew the jewel, and you know he had, she had the warning letter and everything, and she donated it to the museum. So she probably did the smart thing. Yeah, and then so then there was like an interview with the guy who was taking it to the museum. Him and his wife are driving down the road to you know with the cursed jewel in the car, and. They said that they've driven through the worst storm they've ever seen in their life with lightning striking on either side of their car. Oh and they God. were scared shitless. <laughs> and his wife was literally yelling at him to just throw the jewel away. So did she wait two to two or three or 33 years to do this? I don't think so. It was also, why three or 33 years? That was my second question. Right. Like, oh, that, that, was, a, that was Did we just pick a random time? Or, you know. All of the above, is it not going to be cursed after any amount of time? Like, right. it's still going to suck, right? right? Like, no matter how long you leave it in it's there? It's been around for a couple hundred years. It's not, yeah. not going to be like, oh, we fizzled out now. <laughs> and in the letter, the warning letter that he wrote, he stated, do what you want with the jewel, but, I mean, it's it's pretty much on you, you know? Believe, you know, believe that it's cursed or not, but whatever happens to you is your own fault. Okay. You know, it's a, it, it, it for keeping the jewel, you know. That's mm-hmm. it's up to fair you. warning yeah, sounds fair like warning, it. Yeah. But that's that's the story of the cursed amethyst. And then she donated to where it currently is today? Yes, the National Historic Museum in gotcha. London. Now, do they have any problems? Um ra- I didn't find anything rather than just the guy who was bringing it to the museum. I would have mailed it certified. But it has to be some sort of value or, you know, importance because it's locked away with the Mars meteorite and other, like some big emerald, I forgot the name of it, but other, like, really important jewels in this museum. So it's not even on display. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Samantha. Slasher Samantha. So for me, no conversation about iconic cursed jewelry is complete without a conversation about the Hope Diamond. All right. So the Hope Diamond, they say, is what inspired the Heart of the Sea or whatever on Titanic. Oh, okay. So it's an infamous gem. It weighs 45 carats, and it's currently on display in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C. And I've actually seen the Hope Diamond myself when I went to the Smithsonian. It was pretty cool. It is huge. So it's a fat diamond. It is ginormous. And ironically, it was even bigger. We'll get to that. So it's the size of a walnut, and it's estimated to be worth a quarter mil- quarter billion dollars. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah, but it has no value if it's cursed and everyone's dying with it. Well, so we'll, we'll get to that, too. So there's something about that. But um, the only thing more famous about its huge size and its unique color is that it has this, you know, alleged cursed history. 
and all of the tragic demise of the people that have come in contact with it, be it their deaths or um, financial ruin. So very similar to your story. Uh, the origins of this gym vary, starting with that one that the gym itself was plucked out of an idol in uh, 19 or no 1642 by a Hindu priest who sh- suffered punishment of a slow and agonizing death of this unholy act. And that is what created the curse, was that in that selfishness and that greed, it created this curse that could only be broken by someone who was pure of heart. They would be the only people that did not suffer the curse, which was kind of interesting. So the other origin story that I found simply states that this 112 roughly cut diamond, so it was 112 carats, was unearthed in Glokonda Mine by the Krishna River in southwest India and later acquired by French merchant Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, who was later said to have suffered a gruesome death by a pack of wild dogs. However, that fact has been disputed. So a lot of my stuff I kind of flip back and forth because it's like, oh, God, he got ripped apart by dogs. And then it's like, no, he didn't. So, so we'll talk about that. There's some, like, mythology kind of maybe rumors, uh, paranormal, you know, supernatural. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like it starts with this Hindu priest pulls it out. He dies this horrific death, and this other guy buys it. He gets eaten by a pack of dogs. So when uh, Tavernier gets back to France, he sells it to the uh, King Louis the Fourteenth in 1668, and it at that point becomes the French Blue. So that's what they call this stone. It's not called the Hope Diamond just yet. That king later dies of gangrene, which was not necessarily unusual for the time, but it's eerie because he's the first in a number of deaths and misfortunes in that royal family. So he dies, and then the diamond remains in the royal family until 1792, and it's cut and reset multiple times to create various pieces of the French crown jewels and to kind of go along with whatever the style was for that time. So it's already gone from the big diamond and just getting yeah, down smaller and it's smaller. It's like 112 carats to like 95 carats mm-hmm. to blah, 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 until we get to 45 carats. Also, where the hell is the rest of that diamond? <laughs> so 1792. Hmm. That's an interesting date because right. those who know what happens next is not good. It's not good. So the diamond was stolen during the French Revolution when King Louis the... Uh, 16th and Marie Antoinette are beheaded so when the the French Revolution kicks off we take they take all of the crown jewels and the stuff and it goes to the French government and at some point once the French government takes all of their stuff back it gets stolen and at that point it's lost for decades there's rumor that at some point it may have belonged to uh, Britain's King George IV and that his estate later sold it because he had to cover his enormous debts However, that statement's unconfirmed, and we don't see it resurface again until 1839 when the diamond was acquired by banker and collector Thomas Hope, and that is why it's named the Hope Diamond was after him. Which I don't know why he's the one that we named it after, after all these like great people had it, but maybe not name it after the people whose heads went rolling. You know, I'm a firm believer that sometimes we name things that roll off the tongue really well. The Hope Diamond. Right. You know. Well, it's funny because we'll get to it. We'll get to another one of his owners who is so famous in his own right that it's kind of like, well, why did we not rename it after him? But we'll get there. 
So he has this, and after that, after he buys it, it again gets recut and reset. When he dies, it then goes to the hands of a number of other owners once again. And in eight or nineteen oh nine, it landed in the possession of Pierre Cartier, a gifted jeweler. He convinced the Harris Evelyn Walsh McLean to purchase the expensive diamond in nineteen ten for a hundred and eighty thousand dollars, which was an extensive amount of money back then. But still is now. Well, but even for them, like, I mean, this is a $250 billion diamond. Like, could you imagine how much that was then? I'm like, we should look that up. Like, what's what's <laughs> the currency right there? Yeah. Oh, gosh, because I can't even imagine in 1900s. That was a lot of money. So he told her the story of the French king and was like, hey, you should buy this. This is like a super infamous thing. And she was like, I don't care that this guy got beheaded. Uh, tragedy will never strike me. That's not how my life works. This is essentially what she told him. So she thought that that because it was such a tragic story that in fact it would bring her luck. So she's like, I'm kind of like that with uh, Friday the 13th. I'm like, if everybody else hates it, then it has to have a certain amount of luck out there for me. So like, I like Friday the 13th. I don't consider it unlucky. That was kind of her vibe with this diamond. However, she was wrong. Is that you too? You like Friday the 13th? I do. I, I got married on Friday the 13th. Right. I vibe with that. I'm like, if everyone thinks it sucks, then it has to be like good for a few people, right? Like. Yeah, you take the bad juju, I'll take the good stuff. Right, right, right. You're putting that vibe out there. I'm going to take a good vibe. So at that point, um, she buys it, and shortly after she buys the diamond, and it's in her possession, her son dies in a car accident. Her husband ran off with his mistress and their fortune and then ends up going into a mental hospital. Her family's newspaper, the Washington Post, goes bankrupt, and her daughter dies from an overdose of sleeping pills. So after all this tragedy strikes her life, you know, because she thought it was going to be so lucky, she becomes an alcoholic, and then the following year after that becomes or dies from pneumonia. So then all of her stuff is sold off to uh, balance all of her egregious debt she now has. Right. Yeah, the, m- the more money you have, the more money you spend. Right. <laughs> so all bad. So then at that point, Harry Winston purchases her entire jewelry collection, including the Hope Diamond. And in 1958, he donates that to, like I said earlier, the Smithsonian Natural Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. So they say that because he donated it versus sold it, that he broke that curse because he was of good heart or kind heart, whatever. Pure heart. Right. Pure Pure heart. What was that that word? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one. Well... (laughs) You know, it's just, it's interesting that you two can trace your jewels back to India. Now, the ones I selected, I just, you know, you kind of just initially just hear little, you get little articles, nothing, not even a whole article, a paragraph or two. Now, mine is actually the cursed ring of Rudolph Valentino. And I don't have the back history like you guys do. It, for I don't know where it came from. I just know where he got it and wh- where things went from there. Right. However. I bet you 10 bucks it was India. <laughs> he what? <laughs> I bet you 10 bucks it was India. Pro- it's it entirely possible. But So Rudolph Valentino, for those of you who don't know who Rudy was, we'll call him Rudy. He was basically the Italian 1920 silent movie version of hottie Tom Hardy, who is hot, hot, hot. But either way. <laughs> All right. His birth name was Rudolph Alfonso 
Raffaello Piero Faberto Giolami. But, you know, welcome to America. They just gave him Valentino. Boom. Valentino's way cooler. Right. He was actually born in Italy on May 6, 1865. And as this, you know, hottie, he's an actor, sex symbol, just basically an early pop icon. And thanks to his Italian side, because his mom is actually French, he gets dubbed the Latin lover. And he Ooh. gets best known for his work in The Chic. Don Juan de Marco. Correct. <laughs> and the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So these are his best movies that launch him. So in the 1920s, he's palling around San Francisco. And he goes into this jeweler's shop and he sees this ring. The shop owner actually tells him, I'm not going to sell this to you because it's jinxed. And he tells him that the previous owners have all met with misfortune. But Valentine was just betwixt, okay? He even, I mean, he, he buys it. So the ring itself is just this large tiger eye. So mm -hmm. and we're not even talking a romantic gem. Right. Because we're not a diamond or a ruby. We're talking a tiger eye. Mm -hmm. And he loves this ring so much, he actually names it the Destiny Ring. And you, he doesn't understand how right <laughs> he is. This thing is going to fuck with everyone's destiny. Oh, gosh. And, and, the, and the curious part about it is, is tiger eyes are known to promote stability. So this obviously goes really wrong for him. So he buys the ring, he takes it back, and he goes on with his life. He actually wears the ring in his next picture the young raja and the young raja ends up being the biggest flop of his career and it basically sends his acting career you know in this teeter-totter for the next two years so he takes off the ring for a couple of years and things kind of settle down and then he decides to use it again as a costume prop in the son of chic which was one of his famous movies three weeks after he finishes this movie he goes to new york and i heard either he went to there for vacation or he actually lived there and had an apartment either way he suffers from a perforated ulcer and basically have blood poisoning and two weeks later on august 23rd 1926 at the age of 31 he dies oh god he died on my birthday <laughs> and so and you know there was i think to some degree the fact that he was a Latin lover, because apparently he was engaged to this one chick, but he was boom booming another, a, a ro fellow. Ro. What? Yeah, Italian man. I know. Italian. Imagine that. Okay. Row row. <laughs> Anywho, so his boom boom partner was a fellow les. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like walk that one back. Good, <laughs> Let's good, try that good. again. <laughs> Yeah, let me take this drink real quick. He <laughs> was a fellow lesbian. Lesbian. Lesbian is the word I was looking for. I mean, he could be a lesbian. We don't know who, <laughs> how he sure. identifies on the inside. All right. So his boom boom partner was a fellow thespian by the name of Paula Nagari, who was actually a famous female movie star at this time and supposed lover, you know. So the executors of his estate goes to Paula and says, you can choose whatever you want. And she chooses the ring. Mm -hmm. And almost instantaneously, the second she takes possession, she begins suffering a long period of ill health that basically threatens to end her career. And this, go this 
this illness goes on a significant amount of time because a year later, as she's still recuperating, she happens to meet a young man by the name of Russ Colombo, who was almost Valentine's twin. He was a performer who, you know, could have been his double. You, you understand. And she was like, oh, my God, you look so much. So she has a piece together the ring. She's like, oh, my God, you look so much like Rudy. I'm going to give you this ring. And she even says from one Valentino to another. Hmm. So she gives Columbo the ring. And as Columbo sporting it around, he gets into an argument with a friend. The friend whips out a gun, shoots, and kills him. Oh, God. So then the ring gets passed to... Russ's best friend, Colombo's best friend. So again, maybe they're not piecing things together. Right. It goes to a gentleman by the name of Joe Casino. Now, they may not be piecing things together, but you know how Hollywood was tracking and following the lives in great details Mm -hmm. and depth back in the 1920s and 30s. and I mean, even now. Right. So people are tracking the ring. And it's like... The newspapers are tweaking, tweaking, are tweeting about this ring in the 1920s. And they're like, you know, this may not be a good thing. So Casino's like, you know, I I don't want to really risk anything because he's an entertainer himself. And he's like, I'm not going to play with this. I'm just going to put it in a glass in memory of my friend Columbo. And that's what he does. And even though he was asked to donate it to a museum with Valentino's relics, he he keeps it still. So maybe there is something like, I always kind of think of, you know, the ring, my precious Mm kind of scenario. But he keeps it. And even though time goes by, nothing really seems to happen. But of course, he's not wearing the ring. And as time passes, he's... He probably gets like a lax feeling like nothing's happened. So it's fine. Exactly. So he puts it on. He takes it out of the glass. He puts it on. A week later, while wearing the ring, he gets into a car accident. He gets struck by a truck. And basically, I think he gets like dragged by the truck and he dies on the scene. So intense. So here again, the, the newspapers bring up the fact that it's cursed. I can just see all the newspapers having pictures of these celebrities dying, and then there's just, like, some guy with a red marker just circling the ring on everybody's finger. (laughs) Exactly. There's a murder board. Yeah. It it actually does make front-page news. So this is huge. Right. After Casino dies. Now, Del Casino, Joe's brother, takes possessions of the ring. And he's like, I don't believe in paranormal. I don't believe in superstition. I am not going to be intimidated by this. It's not cursed. It's not jinx. There's no ghosts. Nothing. And surprisingly enough, absolutely nothing happens to Dell, even though he's actually wearing the ring. Nothing happens. In fact, whereas Joe declined to loan out the ring, Dell's like, it's cool. The ring is fine. I'll let you guys borrow it. So he lends it to a collector of Valentine's relics. And again, the collector, nothing. The ring gets back to him and one night after the ring gets returned casino's house gets burglared as the police roll up they see the burglar a gentleman by the name of james willis booking it from the scene he's running and one of the cops quote unquote fire 
you can't see it, but I'm using air quotes, a warning shot. However, the bullet went too low. I'm not sure how that happens when you're supposed to warning shots go in the air, folks. Strikes and kills Willis. (laughs) Right then and there. Was he wearing the ring? He took the ring. And when they catch up to the dead body, they search him and they find the ring in his pocket. Yes. So, again, this, the, the concept of the ring being cursed has come up for years. And after the death of Willis and the cursed topic coming back up again, Hollywood producer Edward Small decides to make a film based on Valentine's career. He's like, we're going to do this. This is going to happen. We're probably going to mention the ring because it's hot topic. And a gentleman by the name of Jack Dunn, who was a former skating partner of Ice star Sonia Henney, who, you know, information out there for you. Mm-hmm. He gets asked to do a film test because he resembles Valentine so much. It's like unreal. So this is the third guy that's like his doppelganger? Right. Okay, right. carry on. I'm like, what? why does all, everyone look like this dude? <laughs> I know. But all right. So he goes in for the film test, and he's not only wearing Valentine's clothes, his clothes directly. He asks Dale to borrow the ring, and Dale loans him the ring. So he does the film test. Ten days later, Dunn, who is only 21 years old, dies from a rare blood disease called Tulamera. Tularemia, which he apparently contracted after handling a dead rabbit on a hunting trip. Well, you know, I don't really believe in killing animals, but either way. So he dies from this rare blood disease. The ring obviously goes back to Dale. After Dale dies, the executors of Dale's estate is like, we're not fucking around. We see the blood trail here. I am going to place this in a vault in the bank for safekeeping. But the ring's not time. (laughs) So about a year after the ring gets placed in this bank, a gang of thieves do this daring raid at the Los Angeles bank, and they they raid the vault as well. They steal over $200,000 in loot. Now, the police track and ambush the thieves, two of which get caught. And, you know, unfortunately, three passerbyers get seriously injured in the ambush. And because people get hurt, and I think there might have been one or two people that were killed, um, the leader of the bank robbers and Alfred Hahn gets jailed for life and... He even says when it comes to light that they had accidentally stole the ring in in the vault. He's like, if I had known what was in the vault apart from money, I would have picked myself another bank. Oh, God. <laughs> so he goes to jail for the rest of his life. And even after that, the bank itself still has strange issues like strange fires and other robberies. Now, to date... Back in 2017, a portrait of Valentino, his lover in the nighttime, Paula, and the ring gets sold for auction for almost $200,000. So now it's in personal and private possession. Now, the, the thing that kills me the most 
the paranormal twist and all this. Pretty much since the day he dies in August of 26, stories begin, you know, circulating that his ghost is starts haunting all the places that he loved in life, including Falcon Lair, which was the dream home he had built on Bella, uh, Bella Drive for his bride, Nacha Rambova. So, and also, people have said they have spotted him at pacing around Hollywood, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, his mm. crypt there, and they think he's actually looking for the rain. So, cursed rings, ghosts, the ghost of Valentino is still, I mean, looking for his ring of destiny, right? And I just, I mean, it was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Right. Uh, it was just one thing after another. Right. And it, like I said in the beginning, the strange thing is the tiger eye is supposed to bring stability and all this is done is destroy things. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I only have, like, three takeaways. Like, first of all, why do we have the dead brother's clothes? Like, who, did you store that? Because if my brother dies, I'm not keeping his clothes to give to somebody else. Like, that's bizarre well, to me. I mean, I think to some degree they might have kept it because it was still part of his estate and he was still popular. Yeah, just because he's famous. Like, what extent of these clothes are we keeping? Socks? Great, great question. <laughs> underwear. I, I know, right? underwear? No, thank you. He's a Latin lover. We're keeping the chonies. Oh, well, so what was he wearing? Did he go all the way down to the under? I just have so many questions. I really, like, that stuck out to me in my head. Also, can you imagine the raging ghost parties at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery? There's so many popular people there. They're yes. probably having a blast over and there. And I actually think there are several ghosts, like the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. I think it's one of the most cemeteries. Haunted cemeteries in Hollywood. Yeah, because it's a bunch of celebrities that like to party, so they're just hanging out, living their best life. Right after after life, whatever. Yeah, they probably had a rough regular life. I mean, there's a lot of dysfunctional things right. that happen People with celebrities. There, yeah. yeah. So yeah, my last takeaway was just that like our stories, mine and polar bear stories, were like, okay, well, this is 350 and 50 years of history, so people are bound to die. Tragedy is bound to happen. It was mainly financial it was like oh that person's son died okay so is that really connected and in the time it was like oh it was sensationalized by the press or this author and so it had a lot of like okay whatever then we get to your story and it's like touch the ring everyone dies and I'm like oh my god <laughs> would I rather lose all of my things like or my life and have ulcers like oh Jesus we really stepped up our game <laughs> right and we're talking these people are dying of weird shit well and consistently yeah yeah, yeah like yeah like, you touch the ring, you die. It's not like right. you touch the ring, your wife dies. It like is seven like, days. It's yeah. like almost the seven-day <laughs> seven ring. Days. That's intense. Yeah. So that's it. That is our Cursed Story episode for you tonight. On to business. So Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page if you're curious or interested and would like to join. Send a request. But in the meantime, if you have a place that you would like would like to know more about their dark corners, send me an email where the dark corners are at gmail.com or if you have a topic you'd like for us to cover like we've cursed jewelry cursed paintings cursed houses we're kind of slowly working through but either way send us an email with your request final thoughts polar bear mm, fun fact this was actually a really good fit because amethyst is my birthstone so i got to do the cursed amethyst okay wow 
<laughs> just love ourselves, don't yeah, we? Just, <laughs> I, di- I didn't think about it till I looked it up, and I was like, what month is that? Oh, shit, that's my month. All right. Yeah, I guess I should have Googled my own cursed birthstone. I missed the memo. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, my final thoughts are just like, rate and review us. Let us know what your favorite jewelry was. I mean, dying to hear what people's thoughts were. Do you think the Hope Diamond is cursed? Would you wear the Valentino ring? No. I would <laughs> not wear that shit. Like, let us know, people. How do you feel? <laughs> All right. So until next time, please remember that only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Ara- Arabic. Arabic. Ar- Arabic. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, his misfortune, I mean, he. You know, I use big print on my notes for a reason. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I wrote all these. That's why there's so many grammatic errors. And, um, 